I said we're gonna have a good day. Welcome to Rise with Emily and Audra. I'm Dr. Emily McRae. And I am Dr. Audra Rankin. We are educators, healthcare providers, and mothers who view the world as an unlimited learning opportunity. Rise is a podcast that highlights how we learn from the experiences and stories of others to create new perspectives that improve our own work. Listen with us, think with us, learn with us. And along the way, be inspired to rise up above your day-to-day. All right, this really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. This really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. Okay, shouldn't come as a surprise. Cause every morning we will rise. Today, we have the co-founders of Little More Organics, Lauren Bain and Joanna Fraser. And Lauren and Joanna, if we can start by just having you all tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, maybe where you went to school, and tell us what you're up to now. Yeah, great. Well, first of all, like we're super excited to be here with you guys and get to chat today. So I'm Joanna, Joanna Fraser. I was born actually in Florida and was sort of grew up between Florida and then Utah. But when I was still pretty young, when I was around 11, I actually moved to Scotland. So I spent a lot of my like youth and kind of teenage and college years growing up over there. My mom is Scottish, kind of the the short version of the story. But that's where I went to medical school. And actually over in the UK, you can go straight to medical school from high school. So I went straight from high school to medical school and I worked a couple years over there as a physician. But I always sort of knew that I wanted to move back to the States. And so in order to do that, you actually have to do all of the same exams that U.S. medical students have to do. And so I did those around the time. I think I began them when I was still in medical school in Scotland and then completed them. And, you know, that took several years, including like a couple of trips over to the U.S. to do some of the in-person things. And it took a few years to do that and apply for residency. I met my husband, who is Scottish, over in Scotland. And when I met him, he was already sort of actually considering moving to the U.S. for work. So it worked out pretty well that actually around the same time I was ready to start a residency over here. Um, And at that point, I decided that I wanted to specialize in pediatrics. He decided he knew that he wanted to go to business school. And very luckily for us, it worked out that he was accepted to a business school of his choice in the same place that I wanted to do my residency, which was up in New Hampshire. So we were up there together for two or three years and then moved to Boston kind of around the same time um, when he got a job. And after I finished residency, I started working at Boston Children's Hospital, where I still work as a pediatrician. And subsequently, I sort of subspecialized more in sports medicine. And then a couple years ago is when I started Littlemore, which I'm sure we'll talk about in this discussion, but I'll let Lauren kind of go over her background first and before we kind of dive into that. Yeah. So I'm Lauren Bain and let's see, I grew up in New York on Long Island and went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, which of course is where I met Audra. I spent five years out of college working in finance, you know, for a few different Wall Street banks and then went to business school at the tech school at Dartmouth, which is where I met Joanna and her husband, Ken. And from there moved to Boston with um, my now husband and, um, worked for McKinsey and consulting for a bit and then switched over to more sort of professional development and people roles and then decided to actually take a break when we started trying to have a family and had not worked for a couple of years, um, wasn't really looking to jump back into the workforce, but 
when Joanna and I, who we've become close friends now because we live in the same sort of part of Boston with our kids, she told me about her idea for this company and what she had already created. She'd been working on it for a couple of years before I even actually knew about it. And I was just like so excited because I don't know, it just resonated with me so much because as a mom, I had grown so frustrated with the options out there for baby and toddler snacks, which we'll get into. But yeah, I decided to come on board, I guess about a year ago. And then shortly thereafter, I found out I was pregnant with our third <laughs> third baby. So I just had a baby 10 weeks ago. So I now have a three and a half year old boy, a 22 month old girl and a 10 month old boy. And two Ten, sorry, <laughs> and Joe has two boys. Yeah, I yeah, three and a half year old and a, another one that just turned one. So yeah. Oh my goodness, you guys both have very interesting backgrounds, and congratulations on the new baby. That <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, we both had we both both had COVID babies at this point. Although Joe, yeah, was really born at the height of the pandemic. He was. Yeah, the poor kid's been in quarantine. I mean, now we're sort of getting out of it, but yeah, he's been a little quarantine baby for sure. Oh my goodness! And that's interesting how your all's paths crossed as well. So, well, tell us a little bit more about Little More Organics. How did you determine there was a need to improve? the quality of healthy snack foods for kids? So the full story actually is that it wasn't my initial idea for starting a company. My initial idea was actually when, and, and all both ideas were inspired by my first son, the three and a half year old Jack. So when he was a little baby, he had a milk protein allergy. So I had to cut dairy out of my diet. And this was now probably three plus years ago. And at that time, even though there's sort of non-dairy everywhere, like actually even just that short time ago, like it was very hard to find. There was sort of almond milk and soy milk were your main options, but I discovered Oatly, oat milk, and thought this was just delicious and it was a great alternative. But I was like, well, like it's not great. It doesn't actually have as much protein as milk or as much of like the sort of nutrients and calcium. Like, is there a way to make this better? And I thought, you know, and at that time too, I was already thinking forward and being like, what's Jack going to drink if he can't drink whole milk, right? Because all of the non dairy milks just didn't have the nutrients that he needed. And so I had this idea of creating an oat milk that actually had the sort of similar nutritional values as cow's milk, but obviously without the dairy. I looked into that idea a lot. I did a lot of home experimentation, actually making my own oat milk, which is very similar to the beer making process. It involves enzymes and pH, and it's very precise and scientific, but it's very complicated and it's very sort of intensive. And I fairly quickly realized that wasn't going to be a great kind of initial business idea. And so it's sort of, I put it on the shelf, but then a couple of months later, and at this point, you know, he's more into the kind of eight, nine month, getting close to a year where he's starting to eat more solid foods and definitely starting to snack, right? He's on his sort of three solid meals, but he's starting to have some snacks too. And then that was kind of where the idea for a little more came because then I noticed this new problem, which was there just aren't any snacks in the supermarket that I want to buy him. They're all sort of okay. And there's a bunch of pouches. And as a pediatrician, I wanted to try and avoid those because I really wanted him to be able to eat his food and not have everything just be sort of sweet or have a lot of fruit sugars or just added sugar. I'm going to encourage him to kind of have lots of sweet flavors, which I knew long-term could definitely increase the chances of him being a more picky eater, which I didn't want for him, but I also didn't want for myself. And so that kind of got me thinking, okay, well, none of these snacks out there are great. What would be a sort of a perfect snack? So I researched ingredients. I figured out kind of what ingredients would be good, what ingredients I didn't want to have, what kind of 
you know, other like features of a snack I was looking for. Specifically, I wanted it to be something he could hold and, and eat himself, what we call like baby led feeding or baby led weaning, where the child actually feeds themselves rather than be sort of spoon fed purees or, or drink purees. And I wanted it to never have any added sugar, never have any added salt. And the kind of overall goal was just to keep it like as simple and as wholesome as possible. So very minimal ingredients. I was essentially trying to like, I was making a lot of snacks at home on my own and I wanted something that I could have in a package that felt as good as a homemade snack. And so like, that's how we got to what our products are now, which are, are like organic ancient grain puffs, which are only four ingredients. And every ingredient is like, heavily researched, chosen for a reason, you know, so there's only things that need to be in there and nothing that doesn't. And like I said, there's no salt, no sugar. Um, we didn't have any corn or rice because most of the snacks out there, especially that are, again, like not kind of pouch form are very corn and rice based. And not that those are sort of evil ingredients, but there's sort of an over-reliance on those ingredients and there's actually better options out there for kids. And a puff is just a really fun snack. So like, you know, the eating experience for kids was really important because like if the kid's not going to enjoy it, nobody's going to buy it, right? So yeah, we just, you know, kids love to eat puffs. They're fun. They teach them again, like those sort of fine and gross motor skills, the chewing, the swallowing, like all that stuff that's really going to be helpful for them being independent eaters. So yeah, so that's like I said, those are the, and we, we chose two kind of savory forward flavors. Again, staying away from the sort of heavy fruit flavors, lots of sweetness. And so it's sunflower butter is one of the flavors and tomato is the, is the other flavor. And despite a lot of people, I think thinking like their kids don't like tomatoes or tomato flavor, I feel like that's kind of been the hit favorite, which is really interesting and with adults too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of adults actually like them. <laughs> so, Jorgana, you talk about how you know these ideas had been kind of percolating in the back of your mind for several years. How did you decide to take the leap and actually start the business? Well, the first little while was just sort of like researching and trying to figure out like, was this a feasible sort of concept? Like the ingredients that I wanted to use, could they actually be used to make this kind of product? And like, what would that entail? But I feel like there was always like a, there's a tipping point where you sort of think like, well, am I going to do this and like make that like time investment, like financial investment, you know, to really make a go of this and like do it seriously. And so I remember sort of being at that point and being, you know, just thinking like, okay, am I going to do this or I'm not? And I feel like, you know, with any of these kind of big decisions, like there's never sort of a right time or a best time. Like if you're always waiting for, oh, I just want to wait till like this part of my life to be over or like this is going on right now. Just like, there's always something else, right. That's going to happen, something else around the corner. So I was sort of like, well, I have to, like, I'm going to regret this if I don't do it. And I'm always going to wonder like, this could have been great. And I just, I really felt like there was this need out there for this type of snack. And I really wanted to try my best to meet that need for like, for my family, but also for other families. So, you know, it was sort of like, yeah, like there's never a right time or never a best time for anything. You just have to kind of like take that leap and, and run with it. And so it was, that was kind of, I think probably also, I mean, I wasn't, like I said, on board for the early stages of this journey. But, you know, initially when Joe was, had come up with the idea and started experimenting with flavors and just like working with a food developer to actually create a puff, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but eventually they came up with a great product. Yeah. Like, and that was probably, I'm sure like a, a, a turning point in the decision-making process where you're like, right. okay, I wasn't sure about this, but now we've created this puff and my kids love it. You tested right. it with a bunch of other families and toddlers and babies and everyone seemed to like love the product. And that's, yeah. I think, you know, when Joe sent me samples and I gave them to my kids and they just like devoured them, 
was when I was like, okay, this is, this is like a real, um, this is an awesome thing. And I like want to be involved. So yeah, there's no right time, but I think we both just like felt the need so acutely because we, we were like constantly at a loss or what to give our kids for snack when we didn't have time to, you know, prepare it ourselves. And it just felt like good timing from that angle. Yeah. Once it's kid approved, you're ready to get. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay, well, can you describe each other's role and expertise that you contribute to the team? Maybe how did your different skill sets influence the execution of your business plan? Do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I can probably speak a little bit to both of us and and j- jump in, mm-hmm. Joe. But I mean, Joe obviously is, you know, first and foremost, a mom, but also a pediatrician. And I think like brought, as she described, like, just a passion for baby and toddler nutrition to the, co- the company and really created the product. And that was, and you know, I would say she's, she's very much like a natural problem solver and a get stuff done person. And honestly, like can figure, can figure anything out. Like neither of us has a background in consumer products yeah. or food and beverage, but we've sort of like just gotten this far by figuring stuff out. So Joe is really, she's our CEO. She's our chief marketing officer. She's our chief yeah. operational officer. She's kind of like, brought the product to market by figuring out every step of, you know, how do you like, how do you produce, how do you, you know, uh, like come up with the product? How do you get it produced? How do you get it packaged? Like what's, what size boxes do we need? She's kind of handled all that. And I think where I come in is just like a totally different skill set. You know, like I said, I have an MBA background in finance and um, I think do a lot of the, the the more like backend stuff and kind of like managing our financials and and when it comes time to raise money, sort of managing that process. Um, I'm also kind of managing our, our retail or grocery sales and generating sales leads. And the reality is like a lot of things we do together and a lot of decisions we, we make together. And luckily, like I think we're almost always on the same page with that, but we have like really different backgrounds and skill sets that I think complement each other. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. I think like our skill sets are very complementary at the same time. Like we, we work very well together and we both have like that similar sort of, you know, we don't need a lot of like outside direction or very like sort of self-motivated people. We know it needs to get done. We can get it done very efficiently. I think that also comes from just like being a mom and like sometimes you only have a certain amount of time and like you just got to do it, you know, like you can't mess around, like you can't like so it just like has to get done. And so we definitely both have that. And yeah, like I said, we, we've been like on the same page throughout for little decisions and big decisions. And I feel like we can kind of help keep each other in check or like sort of, you know, think about things in different ways when we need to. And we're both like very open to listening to the other's point of view. And, and yeah, um, so far it's just like, yeah, we, we just work really well together. Um, it, I remember like when I was thinking about bringing on somebody else, cause like one, it's just, it's really lonely doing, having a company by yourself. Right. And there's just so much to do. And then the other big piece was that I just didn't have these skills about like, I, I can't, you know, make up an Excel, Excel spreadsheet to save myself. Like I can't like do any of that. And <laughs> yes, I could learn, but like, I would never really be skilled at it. So I really needed someone who had that very separate skill set. And Ken, my husband was like, Lord and I had already sort of become mom friends by this point. And, you know, like he knew that like Lauren and I were caught on well together from sort of that standpoint. And he was like, well, what about Lauren? Like, he's like, you know, he was talking about like when they were in business, she was like, she's super smart and she's super motivated. <laughs> and like, he doesn't say that about a lot of people. So, you know, like, but he was like very adamant. He was like, you know, she's like really intelligent. She's really smart. She's really like, 
And I was like, oh, and it was sort of like this answer that was there all along. And like, he pointed it out and I was like, that makes total sense. (laughs) And so then when she like actually was excited about the product and like excited about coming on board, I was very happy. I love that. And I love that, you know, you all each recognize the strengths that you have and the gaps where you, you need help. I think that's so important on any type of team is appreciating what each other brings to the table. One of the things that I think would be so daunting is just during the start of Little More Organics, how did you determine what type of resources you needed to get started? Just the, the boxes and the packaging uh, or even the stakeholders and how you establish relationships with maybe the grocery stores or places where you were selling things. But what was your game plan for figuring out all the other people that needed to be involved? I, I feel like we were just talking about this maybe yesterday, how like we, you know, you try and sort of do like forward plan as much as you can, but so much of this is like figuring out as you go along, partly because like I said, we've never, neither of us have a background in food and beverage or even like have, you know, we're not sort of, we've not been entrepreneurs for decades or whatever. So the vast majority of it has been figuring out as we go along and, you know, as much as we can trying to kind of foresee problems or stumbling points or things that need done in the future. But yeah, it's sort of, trying to predict what we need to do and then figuring it out and trying to pull on whatever resources we have, whether that's a Facebook group for food and beverage entrepreneurs or listening to podcasts or, um, you know, speaking to like contacts we might have through our personal networks who work for food and beverage companies. And then a lot of the times you just have to kind of, again, like make a decision and, and go with it and be like, okay, this, I'm making this decision with the best information I have right now. And a lot of those decisions we've learned a lot from, right. We're going to, you know, we know how to do them better the next time. And that's part of what makes it sometimes frustrating, but also sometimes like, you know, it adds to definitely like the, the fun and the excitement of like growing a company. Yeah. I agree with all of that. I think like 85% of our knowledge on like, okay, what should we do first? What should we do next? has just come from like conversations we've had with other entrepreneurs. Like there's a few great like women owned food entrepreneurs in and around Boston that we've spoken to and have given us like so much advice. Like you just, you call on everyone and anyone that you know, that's in your network, like friends of friends, people put you in touch with people. And it's really just like a lot of time talking to people yeah. and, and <laughs> just yeah. trying to figure out what's next and how to avoid certain pitfalls, which as Joe said, like you make them anyway, but like you learn from them and kind of just having the confidence that you'll, you'll bounce back. Yeah. Talking to others in collaboration and that's where your good teamwork comes in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, so now that you have product on the market, how do you advertise to diverse audiences? Yeah, this is a good question. I mean, we obviously like want as many people to know about our products as possible, right? But at the same time, we know that they they probably resonate most with like a certain like subset of people. And those people would be parents and probably parents aged 25 to 40, something like that, people with young kids and people, people who I think like really care about like childhood nutrition and what their kids are eating. You know, I think a lot of parents are totally happy with like the vast majority of snacks and stuff that are like on the market and that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with a lot of what's out there. It's just that we wanted something a little bit better. So, I mean, right now our primary like way to reach people is through social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, We've done a lot of like sort of influencer marketing. So honestly, just like getting in touch with, and we're pretty focused on Boston right now, just because it's kind of like our best chance of success in building like a strong following because, you know, we're a local brand here, but Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's targeting like moms that mom influencers that have sort of like a wellness or fitness focus and, and young kids and getting them to try the puffs and like talk about them if they like them. And that's, that's helped a lot, but it's really like kind of learn as we go. Cause like, it's costly to do ads on social media. So we're yeah. being pretty careful to, I think, to like try to target like the, the right. And I subset. think like Laura and I both feel, we feel sort of a it's a double-edged sword a little bit with like the the advertising, the paid advertising piece, because I think, you know, we both believe that the best sort of advertisement that we can have is a mom or a parent sort of talking about our pups and recommending them to another parent, you know, that real like honest, like trusted recommendation that doesn't come from somebody's paid you to say something or somebody's paid you to put like an advertisement in front of like on your Instagram page, right? Which, you know, that's harder to trust. You don't know sort of where that's coming from. But like for us and for sending out like, you know, lots of samples to different people that we see on social media that we feel like maybe share the same values or might sort of enjoy to have like having these pups for their kids. Like, and we're really just saying like, look, you know, we'd love for you to try these. And if you like them, we'd love for you to sort of talk, like tell people about them because like, that's what really means the most to us is getting that like real, like honest and trusted feedback. Cause as parents, like that's what we look for, right? Like, you know, if somebody tells you that they tried something and they loved it or their kids loved it, like, I feel like that's so much more powerful than seeing an ad in a magazine for something or on your Facebook page. So like building that sort of like trusted parent following is, is our goal. I think that is so important and it's something that we do in healthcare as well. You know, we, we focus on building relationships with patients and families that we're serving and that really means more than so many other variables uh, when yeah. we're dealing with healthcare. So Little More Organics is obviously a relatively young company. Can you tell us a little bit about what your plans are for growing the business? And also in these, you know, initial few months or years that you've developed the company, have you learned anything from your initial launch that will influence your future business plans? Well, I think like Lauren said, we really want to try and grow sort of our like awareness of our company and get people to see our snacks and, you know, hear about our snacks from other people, try them in and around our sort of local area and around Boston and around the Northeast. That's where all of our current like retail locations are. And so really growing that sort of local, like trusted following first. And, you know, we do actually ship our snacks throughout the continental U.S. through our website. So, you know, anybody in the country can can buy them. But, you know, you can only do, as, especially as a two-person team, you know, like you only have so, again, so many resources. So we're really kind of staying very like hyper-local and trying to, and then hopefully from there, you know, build it out like geographically. And, you know, we already have plans, you know, so we have two flavors right now. We'd love to add a third flavor later this year. And in future, you know, we even already have ideas percolating for like other snack lines that we could, that we could add. Yeah, that's all correct. I would say we definitely want to like grow our direct consumer business, our online website, like sales, and then also expand more into grocery. But one of like the learnings as you asked about mm -hmm. for us, I think has definitely been that like the right now we we only sell individual serving size packs, like the half ounce bags in larger boxes. But for grocery, that's a little bit tougher because when you talk to grocery store managers or buyers, they say like, well, yeah, I get it. But like those small bags, like will fall down on the shelf. Like that doesn't really resonate with us. Like, can you give us a bigger bag or like some sort of like bigger Stand container? Up. So yeah. that was like a huge yeah. learning because like, yeah. you know, you invest all this time and money doing a production run and then like you have all this inventory, but it's all one size bag. So, you know, next time around we'll 
have probably a bigger bag, something that I think will work better on a grocery shelf and probably, as Joe said, a third flavor because everyone wants like three or four flavors, not just yeah. two flavors. Don't ask yeah. me why. Yeah. It has to do with like yeah. sort of your facing on a shelf and it's better to have you know, more than two products because then you stand out a bit more. So there's been so many learnings, more than we could ever really yeah. like, summarize here. But I would say, Joe alluded to this, like the first production run and the first kind of like round of feedback we got with grocery stores and retailers was like very informative for us. And we'll do a lot mm. of things, I think, differently the next time around. So. Yeah. And I think the first time we made the snacks, it was very much like, which is again, like the overall kind of like goal of our company is to sort of make things more simple for parents and easier for parents. And so what we heard was, you know, a single serve bag and this amount and like this, you know, that's what people didn't want to be decanting from a larger bag to a smaller cup. Cause you know, all these little things as a parent, like it just, it all adds up. Right. But retailers are on something completely different. Like retail, like they want some, again, like Lauren said, for their store, there's a certain, so now again, Again, this like next time around, like we're having to satisfy like really both of these groups. The first time around, we were very much focused on like parents. And now we have this sort of other player that we're trying to meet the needs of as well. Lands and the logistics of figuring all that out just adds to it as well. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Just how the different stakeholders want totally different things and exactly. juggling all of that. Right. And, and it's not ever totally clear what people want. I think that's the other hard thing yeah. is sort of They'll tell you what they don't want, but they might not tell you what they do want. And there's a lot of this sort of, again, this sort of trying to get as much information as you can and making your best guess and sort of like hoping it's going to work yeah. out, you yeah. know? And like you so, kind of have to have the product in the right packaging before a lot of retailers will even talk to you. So it's like this, what comes first, yeah. chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> yeah. we're figuring it out, as you said. That's quite a bit. Well, it sounds like you guys have big plans for growth and that's really exciting. You're both really busy working moms. How do you promote self-care and overall well-being for yourselves and your families amidst all of this? Yeah, another great question. I mean, I think like, (laughs) I'll I'll answer for myself first, but I was never good at this in the past, like in previous careers and before I had kids, but like, you just have to try to put up boundaries. Like, and I think because I have three like kids under three and a half right now, like I just, when I'm with them, like I am with them, like Mm -hmm. I'm not really able to multitask at all. So in in a lot of ways, that's good. I'm focused on them. I'm, whether it's like preparing dinner or doing bedtime, like it's, I'm hundred percent focused on them. And then in like the short sort of bursts of time that I have to work on a little more, like I'm focused on that. So I would say like, I mean, this, everyone says this, but like having boundaries is super important, but I think like a huge reason that I was so excited about this opportunity and working with Joe is that I know that she shares like those values. Like she's a mom herself, she has kids. And for both of us, like family is number one. And this company is like a very, very close second, but that's always what's going to come first for us. And we both have like great, amazingly supportive husbands and also like great childcare because you just you can't you can't do it all if you if you want to have a family and try to like build something you need help yes yeah (laughs) yeah and I think like there's a lot about you know just sort of resetting your expectations you know and having realistic expectations of what you can do in a certain amount of time what you can't do on certain days like for a while so on Fridays ever since my son was born like and when we initially got a name like I've always been home on Fridays with him We've had a nanny like the other four days and and that's been persistent throughout. And 
you know, for a little while I would try and maybe like schedule a call, like when they were napping on a Friday and, and it just like didn't work, you know, like, yeah. it's just like, I, you know, it was a disaster. And so now I'm like, look, Fridays, like, it's just, again, kind of like Lauren said, like, that is my day with the kids. I am going to enjoy it. I'm going to like be fully all in with it and, you know, not have like these other distractions or stresses that are taking me away from like my time with them because they are my focus. And then in terms of like the whole like self-care piece, I think, you know, just Sometimes I, I feel like, you know, you sort of have to force yourself to do certain things like for yourself. And it's actually, and, and realize instead of thinking, it, oh, this is going to take away from my time working or whatever, it's actually better, you know, for you in the long run. So just even like small snippets of time, right? Like now with three or like two or three kids, like it's not the amount of like time that you used to spend on whether it's like working out or I don't know. Like I can remember what I would use, used to do with all my free time. What did I do with all this time? <laughs> but like, even if just like a few times a week, there's something right. I like work out or I go get a facial or like, I, I actually, I get up very early and sometimes I use that time to work. But most of the time I just sit in silence for like half an hour. <laughs> and my husband knows like, don't talk to me. Like, this is my time. I just want to sit here and drink my coffee and either like do a bit of work or scroll my phone and just like, it's quiet. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that is like, that, and, like, and then I can start my day. So. <laughs> so I feel like just trying to like have those like consistent, like little bits of time that you stick to or is, yeah. is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think being present and, you know, prioritizing yourself uh, is so important. Uh, So we like to end our podcast with a set of rapid fire questions. So these are just short answer questions. The first thing that that comes to mind. And our first question is, what is your favorite leadership or leadership quote or leadership book? I'll take this one. I honestly like, not that I like have much time for reading right now, but one (laughs) book that I did read a few years back that stuck with me, it's called Work Rules. It's by a guy, his name is Laszlo Bach. He was, maybe still is the head of people operations at Google. And it's really more of like a book on corporate culture, but also mm-hmm. like how to create like successful companies, successful teams. And that like influenced me a lot, I would say like more so in my like previous roles, but I think it's something I like kind of come back to a lot now. Sorry, that wasn't a very short answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I think I, there's a quote I love. It's actually Abraham Lincoln, which is, you can please all of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. And I'm like, that is so true, whether it's like at home, at work, at the grocery store, like, I don't know, like, it's just sometimes you just got to like, let it go. Like, you're like, you can't please all the people all the time. So yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. And yeah. it's all the time. Either. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Next question. What is one thing on your wish list related to healthcare? So I get very fired up, I think probably because I grew up mainly in the UK, which has a very, very different healthcare system. Two big things. One's less healthcare and more just sort of a government standpoint. But like one big thing is parental leave, which ties in with healthcare, which I think the US does extremely poorly on. It's very unsupportive for new parents. And and I could talk, I'm sure you guys are aware of like where we stand in terms of different outcomes and even things like postpartum mental health and like breastfeeding rates and stress levels for parents who 
have to go back to work eight, 10, 12 weeks after this like very traumatic event <laughs> of having a child, right? Yeah. And like the second piece, which is more healthcare related is just the complete lack of like postpartum care in general in this country. And I think it's just really deplorable of how we have one six week checkup. Nobody comes in and checks on you. Nobody like you spend your whole nine or 10 months pregnant of all these appointments and all these visits and people asking you how you are and everything. And then you have the baby and you're just, it's just like, okay, like you're, you're fine on you go kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas like in the UK and most other developed countries, you will have health visitors coming into your home, checking on you, talking to you, right? Like making sure you're not going delirious with sleep deprivation, like measuring the baby. Like you might, you don't have to leave your house necessarily, which is very hard, right? In those like first few weeks and just like having that like extra support from someone who's really like checking on you, which we don't have. And so I think that's something we're really missing. I like that answer a lot. <laughs> Mine is a little bit different. I think like my biggest pet peeve in dealing with medicine and um, medical appointments is like that the record, your medical records, like I wish that they could just like sort of be attached to you. Like I wish there was a way that like you like scan your thumbprint or something and a doctor, any doctor from any hospital can see your whole medical history, like all your lab results, like anything. Some like centralized yeah, system. Yeah, any, anything any other doctor has ever written or said about you because mm-hmm. I absolutely hate like having to like go back and like get medical records and bring them to do new doctors or new appointments and that might be because we spend sort of like half our time in in a different state and I'm always like trying to get the kids medical records like to the to the other doctor Mm. and it just drives me insane so I wish that there was just like better it's gotten so much better now that most most hospitals are electronic but I think it could be like way way better and speaking as someone who deals with that too in a professional standpoint with people coming to see me and being like what do you mean you can't see my x-rays I got at this other place I'm like yeah I can't see those like I don't know where those are like you know so and it's so frustrating to obviously like the individual and it's frustrating to the physician who's trying to treat them with incomplete information or going on like third-hand information and yeah yeah it's not having some kind of like centralized system is it, it definitely makes it more complicated and harder than it should be. I completely agree. Okay, (laughs) last question. We both believe in the value of lifelong learning. If you could learn anything new in all of your spare time, uh, what would it be? There are so many things I'd want to learn. I would want to like learn, relearn piano. I would want to like learn a new language. I would love to like actually be a proficient golfer. Like (laughs) so many things, but as it relates to this company, I think, I think we probably both would say like, I wish we both like were more, more experts in like marketing, sales and marketing. Mm. That's I think like our biggest like gap right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think like, yeah, like if you had all the time in the world, there's so, there's so many hobbies that I feel like most people would want, you know, whether it's like, like learning a new language or getting better at a sport or an activity, or, you know, I really enjoyed like art and like writing, you know, like I would write stories all the time when I was a kid. So I'd like, love to have the times like like write like a, a novel or like a children's book or something like that so I, well yeah one day <laughs> yeah one day. <laughs> yeah with all your free time yeah I feel like I my computer is probably full of like the first 10 pages of something all these different versions of something so something like that one day would be really fun to do absolutely well Lauren Jorgana thank you so much for spending some time talking to us about little more organics and letting us learn from you all you have an incredible story and are doing so many wonderful things so thank you so much for your time yeah thank you guys we had a lot of fun this was really fun
Little More Organic started with an idea that was inspired by the co-founder's son, who had a food allergy. Joe's initial idea was to create a milk product that had similar nutritional values as whole milk. She found that the idea was very complicated and fairly quickly realized it wasn't a good business plan. Yet, a few months later, she needed healthy snacks for her son. She wanted savory snacks, wanted to avoid fruit flavors. Clearly, she had an innovative, problem-solving mindset, and ultimately, that is how the little more organic puff and sunflower butter and tomato was born. Little More Organics is a wonderful example of the value of identifying a gap in the market and combining clinical expertise with family preferences. The co-founders used a problem-solving approach that ultimately created an opportunity for innovation and a change in the snack food market. Although this product is a child-friendly snack food, the value of using evidence, clinical expertise, and patient and family preferences is applicable to healthcare. Joe and Lauren created a business plan and implemented it to improve the quality of snack foods for their kids. As healthcare providers, think of the opportunities we have each and every day to identify gaps in practice settings or in research. How powerful would it be if more of us were inspired to actually do something about it? Absolutely, Audra. This is certainly an inspiring story. I thought it was really nice to interview both partners of Little More Organics. Lauren and Joe just bring so much to the company, but what was striking was that they recognize the individual strengths that they bring to the table and also where they have weaknesses. Joe brought a passion for baby and toddler nutrition. She created the product and is a natural problem solver, I think. Lauren brought a finance background and said she adds value to the back-end work of managing financials, raising money, and working on retail and grocery sales. Their skills complement each other, and their decisions are made together. They truly highlight the power of being stronger as a team. Lauren and Joe taught us that understanding our own role and personal expertise, as well as our own personal weaknesses, positively influences team performance. In healthcare, understanding that perspective can add value to team performance and ultimately correlate to improved patient outcomes. Being able to say, I don't know how to do this, can you please help me, is never something to be ashamed of, no matter what your profession. I think Joe and Lauren taught us the value of speaking up about your personal weaknesses. They acknowledged that neither one of them had a background in consumer products or food and beverage. As a result, they have had to figure out as they go along and pull in extra help ranging from social media support groups, podcasts, and contacts through personal networks, just to name a few. Asking for help has helped them make decisions with the best information they have. And they are confident that even if they fail, they can learn and turn around and bounce back. I think that this concept has major implications in healthcare. You know, we are often faced with situations where we honestly just don't know the answer. We have to pull in support and go with what we think is best, knowing that the outcome may not be exactly what we expected. Having the confidence to execute decisions with the help of a team and learn from those decisions, no matter the outcome, is something we can all learn from.
Audra, I thought another important lesson from Little More Organics was how much Joe and Lauren value their stakeholders. The brand resonates with a specific audience, specifically parents aged 25 to 40, who care about healthy childhood snacks. In the world of food and beverage, this is a pretty narrow focus. As a result, their primary way to reach people is through social media with a focus on a small market in Boston. They believe their best chance of success is to build um, a strong following, including social media or mom influencers that have a wellness focus. They have clearly identified the stakeholders needed for success. And, you know, as a result of that, they know they can shy away from expensive social media ads and find value in the fact that the best advertisement is a mom or parent who can recommend it to another parent. Ads are so much harder to trust. Finding people who share the same values, who will encourage others to try the puffs, and who will provide honest and trusted feedback is their key to success. Yes. I don't know about you, Audra, but as parents, if somebody tells me that they love something, that is so much more powerful than seeing an ad. Emily, I do that with you all the time. This is probably way too much information for our podcast, but do you remember just a few weeks ago, I called you to find out what to do because my three-year-old wouldn't poop and I know what to do. I can tell other parents what to do, but I needed your mom advice, not your healthcare provider advice. And I don't know, I guess my point is that there is tremendous value in learning from those with whom you have trusting, authentic relationships with. It made me feel better to know a mom I trusted had been through the same experience. Well, Audra, I was absolutely happy to be able to help in a time of crisis. <laughs> um, as patients become more engaged in healthcare decision making, we can identify stakeholders that our patients have trusting, authentic relationships with. No matter the issue, whether you need stool softeners and prune juice for your toddler or you're <laughs> addressing barriers to care related to systemic racism, developing a collaborative approach with stakeholders increases the effectiveness of our efforts and creates an opportunity for engagement with authentic attitudes and behaviors. Little More Organics taught us that parents value the opinions of other parents. As healthcare systems shift to community-based health initiatives, we can enhance our efforts and ultimately improve outcomes by valuing the opinions of community, community members. Community members value the opinions of other community members. Evidence and clinical expertise matter, but so do the perspectives of patients, families, and stakeholders. I also loved that Little More Organics is trying to grow awareness of their company at what feels like to me a grassroots level. By seeing and hearing about snacks from others, focusing on the local area and growing a trusted following, they are starting small and learning as they go. Although they have plans to grow in locations and flavors and sales, they acknowledge that will come with time. This is also a wonderful framework for projects that focus on changes in healthcare. Being amenable to learning as you go and making changes accordingly has value in our own work. One example of learning as you go was when Joe and Lauren talked about learning from grocery retailers about the size of the snack bags. 
They said currently the puffs are sold in individual size bags, and they quickly learned that groceries don't like that. Small bags evidently fall off shelves. Who knew? They realized that after they had invested in a production run and had inventory with a one-size bag, and they learned through that process, and we'll incorporate the feedback to make it better the next time. The power of learning, learning from each other, from your support systems, and from your stakeholders is something that became clear in our conversation with Lauren and Joe. Emily, Lauren and Joe mentioned that people will tell you what they don't want, but they don't necessarily tell you what they do want. I learned from them to ask people what they want. Maybe it's healthy snacks and bigger bags for the snacks, or maybe it's a way to get to the clinic so your kid doesn't get rained on during the walk there, or maybe it's a way to find a safe place to play outside, or finding access to fresh fruits and vegetables. In our community health efforts, or even in patient education efforts in acute care settings, ask people what they want. In other words, find value in your stakeholders. That's right. And by doing so, we not only learn from each other, but we can change our practices in a way that can improve the value, quality, and even access of healthcare. This podcast isn't about healthcare. It's about how we can learn from others to make healthcare better. Thanks for learning with us. Rise with Emily and Audra was produced with Resonate Recordings. The original song, Rise, was composed and performed by Alex Crum. All right, this really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. This really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. Okay, shouldn't come as a surprise. Cause every morning we will rise